about rom-coms is like i know all the beats for all the major rom-com plots right it's like the kurt vonnegut thing what are the beats prove it it's like the kurt vonnegut thing prove I'll, it. And i'll explain uh kurt vonnegut has a thing about story structure right and he maps them if out kurt vonnegut knew by the way that you were invoking him to defend rom-com quality he would whoop your ass <laughs> I am using his analysis on rom-coms, and yes, he would whoop my ass for that. Yeah, that's fair. As long we, as you know, we that agree. As long as you know that your heroes would whoop your ass. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's grounding. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think every person should meet their hero and then have their ass whooped by them, <laughs> just so they settle into a, an acceptable, tolerable public persona. Is that what happened when you met Jonathan Ames? No, unfortunately, he's a sweetheart, and he's left me soft and uninteresting. <laughs> Anyone who's listened to this knows that. So you would say that you're like a rom-com connoisseur. Yeah. Give me five. Give me the top five rom-coms right now. My personal top five. Yeah, based on you just said you're an expert just in terms checking. of experience and also in terms of taste. What are the top five rom-coms? Because... I then you like, expert, but agree. I like temporarily living in a world where like magic is possible and people can commit to each other and, mm -hmm. and love is not just something we make up and are forced to believe in, like fucking trickle down economics. Yeah. If you have something, if you have a, a five in your pocket, oh I do that could make me believe in love, let's do it. All right. Number one's Amelie. Number one's by the way, repeat that please. Number one's Amelie. This is my Nathan for you moment. I, <laughs> repeat what you just said. Amelie is my number one. Again. Amelie is number one. Again. Amelie is number one. Again. <laughs> Amelie is number one. Again. <laughs> Amelie is number one. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Okay. <laughs> I would just like the listener, the Brett acknowledge for the listener. I have tears in my eyes right now. Correct. So got his ass. <laughs> I will say I don't, I don't consider it a rom-com, but if I did, what do you consider? Amelie? Just, just to be clear, Amelie is a rom-com. If I'm saying for there's, I a, apologize to all the POC that were turning white just through hearing this discussion, but continue. Why is Amelie the fifth greatest rom-com ever made? And oh, just be careful because as we have this conversation, the likelihood that we summon Bill Simmons from The Ringer for his <laughs> pop culture take increases tenfold. It reminds me of a John Irving novel. John Irving novels do characterization incredibly well where he'll, he'll develop these people who have like all these odd, weird tics and then they come together in very interesting ways and it creates this like cascading series of events. It has that vibe, but for a rom-com where it's these people with their own unique, odd hobbies and he he clarifies it or sets it up as they're both weird dreamers with these like weird things that they're into and then they come together and it's beautiful and it's lovely and, and you know it makes you believe in good things love it a resounding endorsement for amelie as the number one romantic comedy of all time presented without irony by brett <laughs> of common awful i i liked amelie but in in truth it was mostly because uh i learned to play jan tierson's Sorry, French people. Uh, I learned to play Jan Tiersen's Captain Don Ultra Ete. Yeah, that's the music's beautiful. The yeah. music is absolutely yeah. beautiful. So I got my dick sucked about four times off that. So I got to pay respect to him. I literally try to learn piano to play his music. You should have worked hard. You could have got your dick sucked. This is true. Yeah. People tell me that all the time. What are the other four? <laughs> uh, as a quick side thing, 
if it was a rom-com, I don't consider there's any comedy in it at all. Eternal Sunshine at the Spotless Mind would be my number one, just to be clear. Okay, so you think, that to me is the best romantic you think movie Amelie I've ever seen. Is a comedy in the way that Eternal Sunshine is not correct. What is so good about Eternal Sunshine as your rom com? Eternal Sunshine is a beautiful love story because the end of it is a recognition that the two of us together will always create uh, a level of friction that might cause us to fall apart, but it's fucking worth it. I love that. To the listener, has anyone in their experience? <laughs> Ever met someone gayer than Brett? <laughs> if so, keep it to yourself. I don't want to know. <laughs> what are the, so you've named two in your top five? Anyway, no, no. But so Amelie's and number hedged. one. Amelie's number one. Number two. I just I, I need to throw it out there because I do genuinely love that movie a lot. Uh, number two is Sleepless in Seattle. The problem, in, problem I haven't here seen is Tom Sleepless Hanks. In Seattle. Tom Hanks is an incredible everyman. Everything everything Tom Hanks is in that's a rom com is going to be top ten because he's fucking incredible. I would see while you were watching he's that the most was, charming man in the universe. I, I was busy throwing horizontal wakasashi slices on a tatami uh, stack. So while I was training the blade, you watched Sleepless in Seattle. I was watching Sleepless in Seattle Please with my mom instead of watching me. football with my dad. Please summarize. This is why he me. thought I was gay for I assume till today. Oh, my family still thinks I'm gay. Yeah, no, same. When I go back to Florida, <laughs> they're like, you got an MFA, right? Where's your beret, gay lord? And I'm like, what? <laughs> we're not, we're family, but we're not familiar enough for you to, do <laughs> to that. throw that shit around. Yeah, we have basically no, my family, when I was nine years old, canceled Christmas. <laughs> That's amazing. That's the sort of dynamic we have. There was a meeting of everyone in the family. We figured out conference calling so that all the dads could be like, look, I don't want to buy your fucking spawn. Uh, what's it called where you have two sticks and you flip the other stick together? You got the two sticks. And oh, you go, yeah. What the fuck is that called? That's a horrible game. Exactly. And my dad was like, look, I've bought all of your horrid spawn, this dumb stick game for the last 14 years. <laughs> it has to stop. And we just canceled Christmas it's for amazing. all people. It's amazing. Which actually, you know, fairly anti-capitalist. It I is. I mean, by accident, but it's the, it's the sort of like anti-capitalist by accident that still counts. Just like if Neera Tandon took too much Xanax and killed herself tonight. <laughs> <laughs> What's the number three rom-com? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, when Harry Met Sally. Isn't that the same as Sleepless in Seattle? No, those are two different movies. Explain to me the distinctions. I haven't seen them. No, I know. It's, I it's, want to believe in love. It's the same lead actress. Meg Ryan's in both. Mm -hmm. So that's where the crossover is. One has Billy Crystal. One has Tom Hanks. The Tom Hanks one is better, in my opinion. But I like that they found two sexless males to yep. pitch as a romantic lead. Yep. That's good because Meg Ryan's still cute, so I can enjoy it as a man, but women have to really struggle. <laughs> and... You know, it's nice when a rom-com reflects society. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's, uh, I wear three now. Number four, this one's going to be not, people won't agree with this one. Um, number yeah, uh, at this point, it's just been standing ovations for every one of your selections. All the ones I've listed so far would be in the mix for any other list. Right, I'm, well, I'm not really fucking he, like he, he is at relentless board, and I am at dumb and awful. Go ahead and uh, <laughs> let him go ahead and let him uh, know what you think about his list of rom coms. So what, what's your what's your uh, what's your next one? 
Waitress. Waitress. Fucking love Waitress. I do like that the music of the Broadway so one good. was done by Sarah Bareilles. Seven dick sucks off of learning her piano <laughs> score. <laughs> it's so good. I want to see that play so badly. It's That's still like here. You can just go see it. Well, yeah, I don't have money right now. That's what we're going to see, just so you know. Yeah. I finally get out there. I That's fucking what we're wish that the people who subbed or rather don't sub to Patreon would respect you more and let you go to Waitress. It's so good. I've been listening to the album tune. You know, it's amazing. so rare that you see a score, a choreography, and direction all by a woman on Broadway, and yet our Patreon subscribers <laughs> won't support you enough to let you support women. <laughs> it's almost like all of your failings are the failings of our non-Patreon subscribers who hear this. But you know what? Some people, they think there's always going to be those types out there. Maybe me, I'm a dreamer. I think that you, are. you listening... You'll come around and do the right thing. <laughs> oh, I would love that. Uh, number five would be the big sick. Oh, yeah. With uh, Kamel HGH Nanjani. <laughs> <laughs> I, every part of him being ripped now is bizarre to me because I've been following his career for a while. So I don't Why, know. Because you to... don't understand the pharmacological realities? Yes, though. I mean, yes. This guy's pump. Look at his vascularity. Okay. This is something that was covered actually on Dumb Bitch Media. That dude's on steroids as fuck, which is like, it's great when you just say him. that. Like Rob McElroy, I think is his name, from Always Sunny, who did one of the funniest bits I've ever yes. seen. Like Andy Kaufman. So there's a beautiful thing, if you haven't seen it, and It's Always Sunny. It's the end of one of the seasons. And one of the actors commits to going from being a fat piece of garbage first he commits to getting fat so first he committed to getting fat because it's funny to see a character like transform over a decade of being on tv yeah. and he was like okay now i'm gonna get really ripped because i have a really good bit in my head and so much respect the idea that you'd be like hi guys just so you know i haven't drank beer or experienced a single serotonin molecule or endorphin in a long, long time. I just take steroids and lift weights with the guy that got Brad Pitt ready for Snatch. All this is so I can do one hilarious bit a year from now. <laughs> and he executed, and it was amazing. It was. It was beautiful. That, like, two minutes of him doing an interpretive dance, shirtless, extremely ripped, while coming out to his father, is inexplicably one of the greatest bits of comedy of the last 50 years, I believe it unironically. It's yes. meta-funny and, uh, and like, first-order, sincere, and tear-inducing. In our Discord, when we talked about it, numerous people were just like, I have never cried and then laughed so hard I cried. But, like, that shit is good. Kamel taking HGH and being like, I don't know, it just happened. Mm, no. Very suspect eyes. He's doing that because somebody gave him a bunch of money. So why do you, what about was, him? He wasn't what about him for this lets movie. you forgive that? Well, this was before that happened. So that's all, that's the main reason. But Big Sick, yeah, but even still, you know how someone will do something and it'll ruin for you retroactively? Why is Big Sick of all things? Do you know what it's about? Yeah, I, everyone on... Like Hulu got ads for Big Sick over and over and over and over it's again. It's the actual story of how he met his wife. Yeah, em Emily Gordon, right? Yeah. And, and that's great. And it's a really funny, to a point, gets a little heartbreaky in the middle there, per usual Vonnegut storytelling. Do but not, 
I hate this is the shit I hate. <laughs> when he realizes that I'm not buying into an argument, he goes and he cites like the white male literary canon. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I like to think Vonnegut would really be behind Kamel Nanjiani when it when it comes to the big sick. I love that movie though. I thought he did a great job of hitting a lot of the normal rom-com things and adding genuine sincerity and depth that most rom-coms tend to do a relatively shallow version of. And I I assume it was because it was real fucking life, right? So it was a lot easier to add in because that's what actually happened. But a lot of rom-coms, you hammer the com more than anything else, right? They're more comedic. It's all very light. So it means there's no true emotional depth that usually occurs within it. That one, tons of emotional depth. It's really well done. Loved it. Genuinely love that movie. Netflix in general has been pouring money into rom-coms lately. So there's been a resurgence. It's been great. I give you... So all the boys I loved was wonderful. I Love give you... Get ready, motherfucker. Crazy Rich Asians was really good, too. I give you $40 million. I don't need that much, but continue. Oh, you don't know what I'm asking yet. Okay. If, if I'm saying to build a space station, all of a sudden you're fucked, right? So let's... <laughs> there's a lot of scenarios where you fucked yourself already. All right. I'm going to say game the theory, negative expected value. <laughs> you know? There's something to be said for being first, but there's nothing to be said for being wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> I give you $40 million, and I say, here you go. Just tell me, Brett, I've given you total creative control. You can create a rom-com with this. What do you want to see in this rom-com? You are the executive producer, director. Pitch me on a rom-com right now that hits all the things you want to see. So here's the thing. The main thing is you need a hook of some sort, right? Some relatively unique thing to get people intrigued. If I wasn't a fucking straight dude, I would say a far better movie. Yeah, really stretched to get there, Brett. A far better movie. Yeah, exactly. A better movie that somebody who was not me could do justice to would be one about two lesbians. That would be much more interesting and also does not really exist in the rom-com genre right now. They've done it as very serious romantic movies. There's been a few of those. But in the same way that in Z's and Sorry's show. Master of None. Master of None. Um, one of the main female leads in there is a lesbian. And she has, there's good comedic elements about her dating life. That. Take that. Turn that sort of shit into a movie. Because that was fantastic. Again, I don't know anything about that. That's not my community. I would destroy. I would absolutely fuck that up. Oh, there we go. Uh, I would do an enlisted rom-com. An enlisted rom-com? <laughs> yes. I would do an enlisted dude rom-com. 100%. Why? Because enlisted life is inherently funny, so it's very easy to find comedy in enlisted life, right? That one's not going to be difficult. Most military movies, one of my big complaints is they all go hyper serious because like, we got to fucking respect our troops and all this other bullshit. Fuck that. Everything in the military is insane and ridiculous. It's all already absurd. You can play things straight and it will be funny, right? I don't know who I'd cast in that one. Uh, a fun one, again, if I could find the right writer for it, would be a gay enlisted rom-com. Would be very interesting. There's a really, really vibrant gay community in the military, uh, even way before they killed Don't Ask, Don't Tell, but especially now. So that would be, I think, really, really funny and interesting. And you have the whole bit where like you're moving around a lot, so it creates a lot of drama automatically. Like normal military life stuff already creates drama. It already creates absurdity. So I think that would work really well. Go with me here. Mm-hmm. Timothy Chalamet. I don't like Timothy Chalamet, but continue. Well, here's the thing. You don't have to like him because he's True. not the guy you're rooting for. He's not the protagonist. In 
fact, you don't like him the first time you meet him in the movie. He's your protagonist, Tom Holland. I'm into this. I buy, actually, yeah. Chalamet is dating. No, no the here's the thing. Chalamet got married six weeks into basic to a dependipotamus. Ooh, okay. Right? I'm following. Because he thought, you know what? Is my high school sweetheart. It, it's the only affection I've ever known. My dad's a real a-hole. He was a Marine, so I joined the Marines, right? Mm-hmm. And now that I'm there, we're in basic, and we all take a turn at leadership, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, Timothy Chalamet, he, he's, first of all, someone who has a name that I probably am not pronouncing correctly, yep. but assuming I am, <laughs> right? He's on the O course and he's doing his thing, mm-hmm. right? And he's got three planks and you got to get across the mud pit and he doesn't quite have it figured out, but he's too proud. He's too proud to ask anybody, right? And so as he's laying on, he's, he's taking the last plank and he's throwing it over to Tom Holland, right? And as he starts going, he, he falls off into the mud. Your chit's dead there. Your leadership endeavor has failed. Tom Holland catches him right before he hits it. We see his foot dangle right above the liquid. Mm. That's the marking point, right? And he realizes for the first time that whether he likes it or not, there are other people in his life that he can trust to lift him up, both figuratively and literally. And we start with an uneven friendship. I'm, I'm loving this continue. Tom Look, Holland as enlisted is already genius, just so we're clear. I, I love that whole fucking premise. But I'm just saying for bookings, Dumb and awful at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, that would be my pitch. Love it. All right, I'm glad we figured that out. <laughs> Me too. I'm going to go write this down later. All right. Speaking of the military, um, when, we got, when we got old Timmy and Tommy together, right? They're on land. <laughs> Timmy and Tommy. Timmy and Tommy are on land nav, right? And, and this is one where they're out for three days. It's not a one-day hike, and they got to use their compass Right, and they here's the thing: the instructor's got night vision goggles, and they're watching them to see if they cheat. Right, so for the first time, these are they, these guys are being held to the highest standards of integrity, but they're worn down. Right, and here we have the pivotal scene. Right, the, the thing the the thing that brings people together. What does it better than a meal? And and Tom <laughs> Holland says, "I've got an MRE here. It's pizza. What do you have?" They don't put pizza on MREs. They do. It's the best one. Since when? Since I've started following the MRE ASMR the God. Fuck. Which, if you know what that means, number one, may God have mercy on your soul. Yeah, seriously. But, so ASMR is where you like very slowly and methodically like open a box or you know, brush a makeup brush against your cheek or whatever, things that are generally soothing and procedural, right? And so there's a military man that has hundreds of thousands of followers where he just opens MREs in the field from various countries and then ASMR reviews them. Uh, So MREs, for those who don't know, they come in like a little plastic bag. MRE means? You're ready to eat. Okay. They seem dope. I, when I you know the joke by the way uh, uh, um, like made ready to exit or meal ready to exit meal refusing to exit they make you refusing oh yeah. uh, the, and, you know that's been like mythical enlisted bullshit forever where everybody was like it's hearsay it's not true and like then the, salt peter in the fucking food right? right exactly and then the army did a study and they were like oh it actually does make you more constipated 
purely because it's all starches because that's what lasts. Yeah, exactly. If you need a quick boost to your soldiers, high glucose, like yep. high glycemic index means that you will get a boost just long enough to charge that bunker. And to be honest, it doesn't matter what happens after you charge that bunker because on balance, you're not coming back. Yep. Uh, and they're not upset that you're not pooping as much. That's fine by them when you're deployed. All right. So on this MRE ASMR guy, though, he's got basically the he says it's the holy grail of MREs. You've never had you've never had pepperoni pizza MRE. There would be a fight over it. But you've never had it. That's I'm just saying, like, if someone got one, there would be a fight because that's how rare it is. Yeah. Anytime your metric for unattainable lands somewhere Italian, you need to reassess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, the first time you mres everybody everybody is so grossed out it's hysterical and you're like yeah, oh. take take me through that and you're tell like, me oh. take me through the first time you made an mre because for the listener and me i've never made an mre so so in the air force uh you make them during basic i assume it's same in other basic trainings as well so the air force does a bit where like well, i thought you said the thing about you go to cafeteria and there's a way of ordering and all is. that yeah, yeah. So, so when are you getting mres within the air force uh there's a point at which they make you go basically like camp for lack of a better word they're trying to train you for deployment is what happens land nav we don't do land nav in the air force then why are you camping i'll explain so they make you go out there's tents you set up uh you practice setting up and taking down um they have like semi-permanent structures there's bunks like you would have when you're deployed that you're sleeping on it's like i want to say it was like four nights i honestly don't remember it was all a blur most of what you're practicing is the responses to chemical or biological warfare stuff where you're putting on the uh sea bernie so the C-Bernie is the, uh, for those who don't know, it's a C-B-R-N-E. It means chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, and high-yield explosives. The idea is you put this mask on, and now you're good, right? Oh, it's more than that. It's a full kit. Everything goes over. You're not supposed to have any skin um, showing. Uh, so you have, like, gloves that tape up. You have a whole fucking, like, almost yeah, like I've a flight any- suit, like plastic flight suit. You have big fucking rubber boots to go over your boots. There's a gas mask. There's a hood that comes over the top. So yeah, you're not supposed to have anything showing for this stuff. And the idea is somebody yells gas, gas, gas. You drop everything you're doing. You put on all, all of this fucking material and equipment. It takes forever. There's an order of opportunity to it. If you fuck it up, they scream at you and you're just practicing this. And then you like lie face down, right? Uh, depending on where you are. So sometimes I'll do it and you're supposed to be in like what is supposed to be a bunker. Um, you lie face down and you wait for them to sound the all clear, right? It's a constant drill. You do it in active duty as well. Like you just constantly drill this shit just in case somebody shoots a fucking gas or biological or fucking nuclear weapon at you. It's exhausting. Uh, what really ends up happening is you overheat instantaneously because your body is surrounded by plastic and rubber. Your only way to breathe is through the gas mask, which is giving you probably 70 or 80% of the oxygen you normally do. So you immediately get a little loopy uh, and get sleepy. So I would always just go to sleep. You're not supposed to. They tell you not to do that. But I was like, fuck this shit. Because uh, you're laying face down and you're waiting for an all clear. I'm like, all right, well, I'm, I'm out. I'll see you guys whenever they sound the all clear. <laughs> I would just pass out. You do that during many of our podcasts. Too. <laughs> I go to sleep easy. <laughs> it's a skill. Um And so one of the other things you're doing while you're out and about on your like bullshit 
nature camping multi-day pseudo survival thing in the air force that's also when we do the obstacle course right like it's all part of like a multi-day thing it's so funny that like it's so dumb. the air force has to do survival exercises yeah like what might happen if you get caught off base for four days the reality is just like you're basically in metro atlanta still <laughs> like well it's as long as you can find anime somewhere you'll survive you fucking air force nerds <laughs> It is mostly for security forces. Security forces in the Air Force is uh, a job that basically everyone qualifies for. There they do they do the base guard. They're like the Air Force version of infantry. They actually have to go out and do this shit constantly, right? They actually do real deployments. They are the ones on doing occasionally doing. Um, uh, there's a lot of them as well. Security forces has like a really high churn rate because it's the worst fucking job. Maybe not the worst job, but it's a terrible job in the Air Force. So a lot of them leave immediately. Yeah, you're essentially being a cop to the troops. Yeah, it's garbage. It's awful. Uh, you work horrific hours. You get yelled at constantly. Even all the other jobs that are awful treat you like shit. Like, it's not It's not fun in the slightest. You stand outside all day no matter the weather. It sucks, but you're not even on the flight line. Right, like you stand outside all day and get yelled at by like people, like random people coming on base. The idea that like you're not on the flight line, you're not frontline combat deployment troops and yet you have to police others where they have at least because their troops a similar power profile as you is probably accidentally a great blueprint for american policing which is to say you're on the same level as everyone you meet yep. you are not a fucking frontline spec ops operator I went to work today. I saw five guys with fucking assault rifles and full tactical. I'm talking the heavy chest back plates and helmet. Oh my god! Just in the subway, on their cell phones dipshits. today. Yeah, absolute dipshits. They should be embarrassed. These guys should be laughed at everywhere they go. Yeah. Right. But like, that's probably the way to do it. Where I'm on equal footing as everyone else, and I respect everyone on the same level. Why did you guys hate them so much? Partly because it's the easiest job to get. So it's one of those things just like, well, if we're not going to let you just randomly shoot people you don't like and get away with it, then actually this job is kind of more like a janitor than a fucking assassin. So and the people that get put in it are appropriately for once people that are just like, yeah, fine, I'll stand there and not harass anyone. And 99.999% of the time, that'll be fine. Rather than people that are just like, bro, what if there's a Puerto Rican that I could do a, an inverted <laughs> hang and then fucking double tap them? The, the two worst jobs in the Air Force that also get looked down on is services and security forces because they're the jobs that if you can't qualify for another job, that's what they give you. I mean, that's also true of normal cops. <laughs> it is, yes. Services is like, services is honestly not awful in some ways because some of it is you get to be a cook. I'm like, I, and But it's the only job in a kitchen that has ever paid well and given you benefits. And you work in the gym and stuff, but they get looked down on because like some of you work in a gym, right? So people are, are shitty about that. Security forces, you're the douchebag at the gate that's slowing me down, which means I'm going to get yelled at when I get to work. Everybody fucking hates those guys. And they hate themselves too, and they hate their job. The, every security forces person I knew either got out or tried to be on the canine unit because then you get to do interesting stuff because you have a dog. That's pretty much it. You have your MOS and then you get to basic and they're like, yo, if you're if you fuck up too hard here, uh, we're going to make you a cop. No, that's actually a thing. That is actually the threat. If you fuck up in your job enough, they'll fail you back 
but you can fail three times, let's say, right? The third time, you're not out of the military. You sign a fucking contract. We own your ass. Now you go to win a shittier job. What's a shittier job? It might be services. Not the worst thing in the world. Might be security forces. That is genuinely what they would threaten us with when I was doing weather. If you fail enough, your ass going security forces. You need to fucking straighten up, Mr. Brett. Otherwise, I'm going to dock you down to the lowest of the low. That's right. You're going to be a motherfucking cop. <laughs> Seriously, that's how it works. The ways in which the military is accidentally more woke than libs, it's just, it keeps happening. They fall into it sometimes. It's funny. It's delightful every time. It's hilarious. Because at the end of the day, like, they actually do have to care about raw efficiency. And to some degree. So they're one of the few people in modern society that can look at, like, status quo liberalism and go yeah I, I know but for us can we all just admit that's not effective and we do things slightly different <laughs> right like like it's, it's a begrudging reluctant acceptance of a dogma that isn't yeah they teach incredible quo. sex education too yeah because they don't want every 18 year old fucking yep. getting married within six months of being on a base in north dakota and getting stds if only for the poor women living in the dakotas yeah, that's actually a genuine problem. Uh, Army, Marines, I know they do much longer out in the field stuff. They teach actual land nav. We're the fucking Air Force. Chair Force is called that for a reason, right? But you go out, uh, they make you do shifts guarding your specific little tent that has like 20 or 30 people in it, right? Um, there's night shift. You're guarding, you're sleeping on cots. You're doing the whole thing. They're doing the sea burning stuff where you're constantly practicing for if gas comes off, they'll do it in the middle of the night too, just to fuck with you. Cause why wouldn't they? The other thing is the entire time you're eating MREs. So you get used to how MREs work. That's the idea because it actually takes a minute to be like, how the fuck does this shit work? The first time it takes, it took me like an hour to make that shit heat up. I'm genuinely interested in how MREs work because they're like low-key miraculous but yeah for air force it seems very superfluous because there's no situation in which an air force person outside of combat controllers are going to ever be at like a fob or forward deployed my so, job actually did go to fobs if you got real unlucky yeah but you didn't did you nope no you, you killed Gaddafi from the comfort of your home <laughs> i forecast for icbm sir uh, all right so you had nothing to do with libya then for yes or no no, I did. I have a medal for it, actually. Depressingly Shut enough. Shut up. That's that's how I feel about El Salvador. Anyway, <laughs> what's this deal about the MREs? So in every MRE, there's usually the main meal. There's a heating element. There's usually some sort of beverage. Then there's like a snack. Uh, and there's like a, I don't even know what to call it, a utility package. There's a lot of shit. There's toilet paper. There's there's Yeah, so this is a big thing when you're in. The MREs are overwhelming the first time you open them. Because there are so many little packages in it, and you just keep, and some of it's like packages within packages within packages, and you're like, what the fuck am I doing with all this shit? And so you kind of just have to like open it up, spread it out, and then like get to work. Basically, you was, go. Was that a, was that annoying to you? The fact that you open up and there's so many. It was just overwhelming. Ten times in a row, you're faced with like these little packages that you have no idea what to do with. When you were in the field and finally having to deal with that, did you start to like feel empathy with your exes? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's but my it's my best friend. Y'all have to understand. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, no, it's just it's overwhelming, especially in basic training, because somebody's looking over your shoulder ready to yell at you at any minute. And so you open it up. All the packages look identical. It's all like they're not branded in any way. There's just uh, the exact same font, exact same color, just with different names. So you actually have to read each individual and remember it because there's no coloring to tell you what each one is. The only thing that's colored differently is the heating element because they know you'll burn yourself if you don't pay attention. You don't want to eat the heating element. Correct. You also want to be careful because people will burn themselves with it. On the heating, what is the heating element? Uh, I think it, it's the same sort of principle as like, you know, uh, freezer packs where you snap them and they get cold, but in reverse where you or, snap or it. Or like the, the hand warmers where you crack them and then put them in your coat. Yeah, it's that idea, but it gets a lot hotter. Uh, uh, but it, it's that sort of similar principle where it's like there's a bunch of chemical agents. Uh, you do specific things like you crack it, you mix it, you add things to it, and then it gets pretty fucking hot, honestly, because it's supposed to like heat things up to a decent amount where like you get a little steam coming off of it, right? Like it's pretty good at that. So, you know, people organize it different ways. I would always do what things am I heating versus what can I just eat straight? Uh, I, my first thing was always which desserts did I get? Because those is usually the best thing in any MRE is the desserts and they don't do it anymore. But if they put charms in there, you're always supposed to throw them out. They're considered unlucky. The Marines started that, but since all enlisted are superstitious as fuck, all charms got trashed. They just stopped putting them in because nobody are, would eat what them. What are charms? They're they're like um fruit candy, like a hard fruit candy. And so what happened? Someone was like sucking on a charm, and then at Iwo Jima, they got fucking... Dude, we're at the point where it's so far removed, nobody can even give you reasons. People make stuff up. It's it's enlisted. Like You'll bullshit your way to an explanation. So there's no real reason no, for it. No, it's just it's a just, superstition it's thing. It's been around long enough that people have just accepted it. So it's a real U.S. Senate situation. <laughs> yes. And I mean, at this point, I think the military has just given up, and they've stopped putting them in MREs because they know nobody will eat them. Uh, the Marines are real hardcore about it. We're supposed to throw that shit out the window the second you see it. Like, that needs to go. But it's just... I love Marines. They're all basically just Chase Rice in soldier form. <laughs> yes, they are. Love it. But it's it, all enlisted or superstitious. So, some of the greatest so people I've ever met and vibed with have been Marines because they Same. have that. They have that just big dumb guy energy, regardless do. of their size, and you got to respect it. They absolutely do. They're amazing. So they stop putting charms in there, but outside of the charms, the dessert is usually the best thing because it holds up the best. You can dry it out. It's much more shelf stable. Uh, there's usually cookies. Sometimes there's candy. If they give you two desserts, that's always awesome. So some have that, some don't. The jalapeno cheese sauce is really popular. Everybody likes that. You have to figure out how the fucking heating element works the first time. Like it is some level of magic. They're using incredible high-end technology uh, to dumb it down for like you dumb enlisted apes like me, right? And you feel like you feel like a fucking dummy when you're like, how the how is this magic happening? And you have to be a little careful because you can actually burn yourself. So you would say after making one or two MREs, you're no longer in danger of burning yourself. Mm, it takes a few. People still kept burning themselves. It was very funny. But like where you're at now, it's safe. Yeah. I mean, it's been a minute, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how do you explain your whole thing about rom-coms to start this episode? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of the fun things to do when you're a basic, though, is because it is a little tricky. Uh, once you figure it out, is to just sit back and watch other people burn themselves. <laughs> it's really good entertainment. Honestly, the same thing happened when I was working at Starbucks with the coffee. Only uh, <laughs> it's because we basically deadened our emotions by two weeks in. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah, get used to scalding at least the top two layers of your skin off a day. <laughs> 
Yeah, there it, MREs are like many things in the military in which you're in a you're in a miserable situation. The context is garbage. You're excited for something that is, you know, objectively a little sad. And underpinning all of it is just billions of dollars of research and high-end science that went into delivering you this thing that is not remotely satisfying um, or making your life any better in the slightest. That's most of the military. Massive amounts of money and the end result is eh. All right, so the military is no different than we work. The worst MRE you ever had. Uh, I actually really like the meatballs. I thought that was my favorite. That feels like a fairly simplistic thing to deliver. Yeah, Free, well, it, it came together. Dry them, put them in a heating element. They're still meat and starch, right? Exactly. I have always enjoyed any, even the shittiest version of meatballs. So that one worked for me, where I was like, "This tastes like a really bad." frozen meal of meatballs but that's still okay by me by the way shout out to chef boy rd meatballs technically yeah. you can get them down yep i actually i thought the meatballs were better than chef boy rd not by much they're both not good uh but yeah i did like them a little bit better so on balance you rate the military higher than italian genius <laughs> yes yes i do no no jury would convict you <laughs> no i know uh worst for me it's kind of a two-way tie because there's two that I found just like absolutely fucking nauseating. Tuna. There's a tuna one just on its face. Fish that's supposed to be shelf-stable for three years. Absolutely not. I also... Why would they not just put it in a can and call it a day? I don't know. And I also already hate canned tuna. So for me, that was like you took something that I already find disgusting and you somehow made it m even more gross absolutely nauseating but that one i expected i was like there's no way i'm ever touching can tuna i got on lock that that is a poor person staple the the shout out to anyone who's ever got the starfish like yeah mix and match lunch kit here's what that is it's the saddest fucking tin of tuna but they <laughs> yeah. provide the mayonnaise a wooden spoon and a little bit of relish in order for you to like eat the meal and still have enough dignity to go back and buy another one. That was basically what this was, but somehow worse. It was disgusting. But the other one, that one makes sense again. It's tuna. Love that really military like tuna. tuna. The other one, creamy fettuccine. Remember I was saying creamy sauce earlier? On that one, like a taste almost made me vomit. It was the, one of the more disgusting things I've ever fucking tried in my Are life. Are you sure you're not just like allergic to Italians? <laughs> <laughs> What was uh, so gross? That seems very simple. It's it was a, it's something. It was soft. something about the way they did. Get, you can't actually have lactose or cream in these and have it maintained. So it's a faux cream, right? Like it's fake. There is no actual. So whatever fucking weird fake thing they put in there is so nauseating. And then they try to add like a layer of fat to give it that same sort of mouthfeel. Fucking disgusting. Easily one of the grosser things I've ever tried. None of them were good. Again. Uh, the like, there was like a Mexican fajita one. That one wasn't awful. There was chicken stew one that wasn't awful. Most of, honestly, most of the chicken ones were perfectly okay. Where you're like, I can get this down. I don't feel nauseous. Sure, whatever. Shout out to chickens in general, and, and <laughs> most, most specifically, Prol's the round table for not debating me. <laughs> but yeah, the the fucking cream fettuccine was far and away my least favorite. Uh, and yeah, meatballs were okay. I didn't mind them. That's always the one I try to trade for. 
If someone had that, that's why I've gotten for. I'd give up a dessert for that bad boy. Damn. That's a Christ-like sacrifice for you. It is. <laughs> because unlike Christ, you are fat, so you feel it more. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm just saying, n- there's no church in the world that would put a fat Christ on that crucifix, Catholic or not. <laughs> but yeah, the MRE thing, like, the heat... We were talking about the heating elements. So the heating elements, like, fantastical technology. And it's the same where you were saying earlier, where, like, sometimes the military can end up being woke. They sometimes land on good things yeah because at the end of the day they have to discard everything other than what actually produces results so usually c- centrist liberalism yeah because ideology exists in the military too yeah but where ideology doesn't exist it creates a vacuum for actual like meritocracy and on that metric devoid of any other confounding factors liberalism loses yes so most of the military is designed for efficiency. There's just that small filter at the top where it has to get through some dipshit general. Most of the time, they don't care, but they're where it goes awry. But one of the places where I do actually like genuinely think the military has it figured out, and I hate complimenting them for any reason, is tech school. I was mentioning, or I've mentioned tech school before. It's what happens after basic training. It's kind of genius. They have figured out a way in a lot of different jobs as well to distill incredibly complex Uh, jobs, incredibly complex ideas down into a multi-month training program that can get you in, trained up, doing the job, not just like bare minimum, but doing it like semi-well, right? And they can do that in under a year and something that takes multiple years. I, I did meteorology. I had actual people in my class who had bachelors in meteorology. 2008 crash was shitty for a lot of people. So there was multiple people I knew in the military who had legit like engineering degrees and meteorology degrees. I like to think of some like 21 year old kid who's like, shut up, mom. Meteorology is not a waste of time. There's always a Muammar Gaddafi to kill, (laughs) (laughs) which let there be no mistake. Brett, you definitely did. Uh, no, I did not. And uh, I'm just a simple Southern lawyer. I don't know <laughs> one thing from the next. But it seems that, it, would you say that predicting the weather that was green light, red light on the missiles that were striking Libya under the Clintons. I wasn't working that day. That's literally what it was. <laughs> so, but for your lack of commitment, you would have <laughs> committed war crimes. <laughs> Buddy, I feel that way every time I don't commit to a... <laughs> this, this is every third date for me. My exes will attest. But- Slobodan Milosevic, you messy bitch. Leave me alone. <laughs> so I I did weather, right? I did uh, weather forecasting. So it's basically a meteorology degree, which is a four-year physics fluid dynamics degree. That's what how it is in college, right? It is a physics degree that you get. And so in the military, they go, how much math and physics do we actually have to teach them to do this? And the answer is not much, right, to do weather forecasting. But we do have to figure out some way to explain sort of fundamental concepts in a way that even you dummies will understand it. And my job was one in which a lot of people failed out of. So like even then they struggled. And do it all within eight to nine months so we can ship you somewhere and you can start pumping out forecasts a few months after you get there. Right, like that's the game plan. They did this for radio as well. They would teach people uh, how to do 
like basic radio engineering in six to seven months and you could build your own radios afterwards. Like it was nuts. Like I, that fucking blew my mind. They have, they figured out how to take all of the sort of like chaff all out of the wheat. So it's only the absolute basics that you need to know to do the job. Well, like it's true job training. We, we can't trust you idiots with any supplemental details. So we're going to give you the absolute bare minimum. Yep. For you to execute on a job without thinking too hard. Because here's the thing. Thinking introduces variables that we don't want to deal with. And so it was really fascinating because, I again, I had... There's somebody in my class. She had a meteorology degree, right? Uh, and so we could, you know, as we went through units and That's sections... That's so sad. There's two people. Honestly, just the fact that you and her exist in an enlisted meteorology program. Really. Zoomers... I I don't this I don't mean this as a threat, but just so you know, like if it seems fucked up that two people that have already spent like four years and got a college degree and they're still taking an enlisted program and the shit they already studied, that is almost certainly gonna be you in the next three years. It seems impossible, right? But here's the thing. It seemed impossible to us. Oh yeah, it did. That everyone, was never on my radar. said, if you work hard, study hard, apply yourself, you'll get a good job, and you'll be good, right? And then Lehman Brothers went under. Yeah, that was great. Uh, right, a month and a half after we graduated. That was cool. Uh, and it wasn't just us, by the way. It wasn't two of us. The weather schoolhouse specifically, the only people that tended to pass were people with two years or more of college. Like a third of the people in the schoolhouse had degrees, had undergrad degrees, enlisted, and this was 09. I took a practice ASVAB and it was like, your top three uh, MOS based on your scores on this practice quiz are nuclear submarine, yep. nuclear submarine, and nuclear submarine. The Navy gets aggressive. And I was like, all right, I think I see what's going on here. Yep. And, and then I just went and wasted 10 years of my life. <laughs> Listen, buddy, I did it the other way. It didn't go great either. So, you know, sort of damned if you do. We're literally on the same podcast right now, so on balance, I'm not mad at myself. Yeah, I was going to say, you've seen where it went. At least I had some delightfully horrible decisions along the way, whereas yours only killed uh, leaders of Mideastern countries. <laughs> whereas my horrible decisions were even worse somehow and, and had global impact. <laughs> my bad decisions, in a way, only supported fathers. <laughs> But so it, it was really fascinating to go through and you go, you know, oh, we, we just did this section understanding the basics of how pressure works in the atmosphere and turn to the meteorologist, the person with an actual meteorology degree who has a shitload of physics under their belt and go like, how was that? And the whole time she was kind of in awe of their ability to distill stuff down, like incredibly complex topics to something that was simple enough that you could actually make it actionable. Like, that was a consistent theme from everybody. No, honest, I, I feel the same way. It's like, there are people, every single time, if you go on Quora, which, like, this is something that um, Sophie from Dumbage Media turned me on to, right? Get a Quora alert. You see oh, yeah, all Quora these people. Us. Quora rules, because all these people asking the dumbest questions. It's modern right? Yahoo Answers. And, and, but, like, it's good because it, in a digital way, it, it's filling a role, right? Like, normally, you get the birds and the bees talk from like your dad or your mom or whatever and so like i saw a core that's just like you know what's the best way to do cunnilingus and it's like well 
you can distill that down into just emotional abuse and it no longer matters. <laughs> Are we empiricists or not? <laughs> Fuck. Uh, I appreciate that you have kept the riffs uh, in keeping with the military theme on this one. Thank you for that. Feel I'm a home. really good boyfriend. I just like to point out. <laughs> uh, sure, Rob. Well, you'll believe it for 90% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> on balance that's a good deal i'm just trying to make deals on this podcast <laughs> just making deals at dumb and awful no but it was, it was it was genuinely incredible how well designed it was and the teachers were not experts in the field they were other dummies who had just done it for a few years right they had high-end people design the program and then dummies teach it to other dummies it's kind of genius and we were effective. That's that's literally Nobel Prize winner Feynman's take. If you can't explain a concept to other dummies, you don't understand it. Yeah. Shout out to Evan Marijuana Fermion uh, in her chat. One of the, the most brilliant physicists that's up and coming. There's an idea that anyone can confuse someone with a lot of details, right? Yeah. But if you can actually explain it to a dummy in a way that they can get the same outcomes you actually understand it in a way that is provable beyond anything some theorist could come up with on a piece of paper. Exactly. But like at the end of the day, we got to the end of it. I talked to the meteorologist and there's another one in a different class I talked to as well. And they both said the same thing. This is better for practical knowledge than my four-year degree was. It doesn't hit a ton of science and math that I have. So you're losing that. So you're losing the why of a lot of these things. But your ability to do the job is significantly better, right? Like it's true job training. That's an excellent paradigm to put on people that drone strike weddings. Yep. Every great once in a while, the military stumbles upon like an actual good idea or an efficient way of doing things that should be more widely adopted. And that as jobs programs go, that is in my opinion, how they should do jobs programs for the country. Like, Nobody should ever have to go in the military. They should do that for regular jobs for people, right? If you don't want to do school or you did school and it wasn't effective or you're trying to get a specific job, whatever the case might be, jobs training should be done like that, right? Super distilled down, we'll get you in and teach you how to do the job and be effective at it. And then while you're in, you will learn more. That is the other part of it. There's continuous learning that you have to do throughout. But like, it was kind of incredible. One of the few good things the military does all in service to a horrific mission, of course, but, you know, it's the military. It's almost like the government, with its vast resources and implicit consent from the governed, are able to divorce themselves from the profit motive, not entirely, but enough to genuinely study in good faith the causal links that produce outcomes that they then turn towards benefiting the nation or the internationalist coalition. It's almost like the idea of infinite growth is not actually getting us to any deliverables that help human beings exist. Oh, in the slightest, yeah, no. So the, the fact that every once in a while we're making progress just from taking the dumbest people on earth, putting them in a group, but freeing them from profit motive... That's probably telling about how valuable the everlasting growth profit motive thing is, right? Yeah. 
it's also a really good indication that we could do true jobs programs for anyone and have good outcomes if we cared to. And the criticism of the collegiate system where we need to stretch any topic into four years of expertise, despite the fact that you could learn it in eight months of focused drilling and emphasis on outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would have taken that choice. I still think like college serves a good purpose, right? The whole idea of you should have a, a wider range of study. But college seems designed to get you to the point of eventually being a PhD, a hyper expert on a specific thing. Most people don't want that, right? Only there's a rare few people where that's a good idea. For the rest of us, like it would be nice to just have something that could teach me how to do a job and I could go do the fucking job. That wasn't just trades. Trades do that. That's about it, right? The military, actually, their system is set up like a trade system as well. You start off, once you finish, you're given sort of an apprentice. That's what the training program gets you. It gets you to apprentice. Then you keep taking tests, and then you get to journeyman, and then you get to master. They don't call it the same thing, but it is almost identical. It is extremely funny that in the U.S. military, the thing that we're all meant to salute and thank you for your service and all that, they are essentially running a socialized guild system (laughs) oh absolutely that's what that is and then outside of the military which we're all saluting we run an absolutely nepotism based patronage based corruption based crony capitalism based speculation based angel investor based scheme that lasts only as long as the next bubbles oncoming inevitable approach yeah that's insane fuck (laughs) all right well thanks for listening to part two this was like a military episode um i gotta say on balance pretty depressing right was it i don't know military's just not depressing to me because i lived it right like yeah but you lived it here's the thing trust me the lived part is way more depressing than talking about it a a floridian (laughs) going into the military is an upgrade in the same way i've talked about this on the pod right that like when i got to college Three of my roommates cried the first week, and I was like, damn, bro, cinder blocks all around? These walls won't even crumble no matter how hard you punch them. Like, It's a matter of perspective. It is. So to conclude, I have, I have only one thing to say. Foxy Yard! We will continue with the last military-focused episode! And part three! Oh my god. Is when you are happy! <laughs> we are happy too! <laughs> uh, Ariel, thanks for listening. It's been Brett. Everyone loves Ford. Rob at Dumb and Awful. Please follow the show account at Dumb Awful Show. For some reason, people judge us on that stupid ass fucking metric. Whoever follows the show account is a thing. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. If you guys want to keep making totally incomprehensible reviews that are five stars, please do that. I got to say, you know, the the podcaster default is to hate your fans. <laughs> and, and, you know, like, I assume that would be where I am. But our review section of iTunes, it keeps being extremely funny. It is. Go to our iTunes <laughs> review section and just read. You know, honestly, like, fuck Brett. you can't understand how much pleasure i derive from undermining him constantly 
So don't leave a True. review, actually. But just read the reviews that are under Dumb and Awful under iTunes. It's just, it's like the sort of shit you'd see written in literal shit in a men's room stall. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You're not going to understand it. But in some way, it's promoting something. <laughs> and you're going to remember it. And that has been basically the modus operandi of every person that's left a review so far. So if that appeals to you, <laughs> if you want to be part of that elite group, that elite band. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you want to be part of a, a, an elite crew, please uh, drop another incomprehensible five-star review. Thank you. Here's the thing. If you've read our reviews and you don't understand what's going on, you have two choices, right? You can either leave a review in which you earnestly explain what's going on or... And I might argue this is the better way to go. You leave an equally indecipherable review <laughs> to punish everyone that has come after you in honor of all the boomers that raised us. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, y'all. <laughs>